Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. I'm catching on the hosel, right? Yeah, right, right. Moving my head. Yeah. Clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My sling feels like an unfolding lawn chair. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess. Four, please. Darren Pritchett is now broadcasting. Oh, wow! In your have you seen anything like that? On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And a pleasant good afternoon. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on 960 AM WSBT. We are streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. Get the app for your phone right now at the iTunes or Google Play stores. Just search WSBT Radio with the app. You can listen to our programming live. Also, our podcasts are available. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on the air until 645 tonight. That's when South Bend Cubs baseball begins. South Bend in Dayton taking on the Cincinnati Reds affiliate, the Dayton Dragons. Pre-game 645, first pitch at 705. The title sponsor for Budweiser's weekday sports beat is Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt. Don't shop where new beginnings have happy endings. By Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, please mention Sportsbeat and get a free gift with your free quote called Tim at 232-9981. And by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Great to have you with us on this Friday, June the 3rd, of 2022 it is nine minutes after five o'clock and we have some beautiful sunshine currently in downtown south Bend, the home of our wsbt radio studios coming up on the program this evening in our next segment our twitter question of the day it'll be kind of a different type of question than we normally have for our twitter question of the day so we'll have that for you coming up in just a little bit Also, the NFL season is right around 97 days away. We will take a look at some of the more interesting AFC storylines for the fall. The My 5 question of the day, the five biggest disappointments so far in the Major League Baseball season. The old saying I've always lived by, don't look at the standings until you get to June 1st. Then the small sample size of a season is now starting to fade away, and we have a better handle on the capabilities of these teams in Major League Baseball. So today, we'll take a look at the five biggest disappointments, and I would say two of the five teams are within driving distance for us here in South Bend. We'll continue to update you on the progress of the Irish Baseball team playing their first NCAA regional game. In fact, I'll give you an update on that coming up in a moment and more in the 6 o'clock hour. Paul Zrom is going to join us at 6.20 as he is going to be stopping by to talk about an event taking place all next week. The 2022 Roseland Rotary Club $1 million hole-in-one contest benefiting the Salvation Army Croc Center. So Paul's going to join us to give you all the details on where you can participate in this event and what it's all about and where the money raised is going to go to. So Paul's going to join me at 620, and we'll wrap up the program 
with our sports wagering segment so far this year, 27-19-1 in our wagers. So we'll try to keep the good times rolling with our sports wagering segment coming up in just a little bit on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch and the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Well, today's first pitch for you is going to be good news for Fighting Irish basketball fans, Mike Bray, and the Fighting Irish basketball team in general. We found out that Nate Lashevsky is coming back to the Fighting Irish. So he's going to return for a fifth and final season in South Bend playing for Mike Bray. Now, after Notre Dame had a fun run in the NCAA tournament, that tournament run ended by Texas Tech. Unfortunately, the Irish had a chance to win that round of 32 game, trying to sneak their way into the Sweet 16. But it didn't work out, unfortunately. The Red Raiders just made more plays in the final couple of minutes than the Fighting Irish did. A couple of weeks after that loss, we started to see the Notre Dame roster be redefined. First, it was the freshmen from South Bend, Blake Wesley and Lashevsky, entering their names into the NBA draft. Not too long after, we got pretty clear evidence that For Wesley, this wasn't stick your toe in the water and then maybe jump back out and return to Notre Dame. He was all in on going to the National Basketball Association. So Blake Wesley will not be back. But Lashevsky was more of a coin toss. It felt like he had several options. From the outside looking in, the obvious, come back to Notre Dame and play that fifth year. You got that COVID year to use. You could work out for NBA teams. They can give you some really good feedback to what they think of you, what you need to work on, what are your strengths. I'm sure the NBA is good about saying to a guy like Lashevsky, we like this, we like that, but if you go back to college, work on these things, then, hey, the following year, this could happen. It really came down to the wire. June 1st was the deadline for players who entered the NBA draft to jump back into college. And Lashevsky made that jump back to South Bend. Lashevsky, a 6'10 player that lives on the outside offensively. He can help you inside defensively. Last year, Lashevsky played 29 minutes per game on average. He contributed 9.3 points. 6.5 rebounds. He shot 51.4% from the field. And this is a number you hope he duplicates in 2022-2023. And that is his shooting from the three-point line. It was at 45% last season. So as this roster now starts to come together, Wesley is not back. Lashevsky returns. Paul Atkinson, Jr., The grad student from Yale does not have the opportunity to come back. So his career is over after one year in South Bend. Forward Elijah Taylor transferred out of the program. So up front, you've got Matt Zona back. Van Allen Lubin, a freshman. Dom Campbell, a freshman. And this is where Lashevsky comes in. He can help you defensively in the post. He's good about taking charges, can be an effective rebounder. But on the offensive end, he is going to live on that three-point line. And a guy that it, it just was strange, depending on the game, his offensive impact, sometimes he'd only have three or four shots. But then the game that I would say kick-started the Fighting Irish from after a rough December, They got the home win over North Carolina. That Kentucky win, of course, to a big part of the turnaround. But Carolina was an ACC conference victory. And if the Irish were going to make the NCAA tournament, they were going to have to clean up in the ACC, and sure enough, they did. 
And it all started with Carolina. Nothing finer than beating Carolina, a team that would go on to almost win the national championship, losing to Kansas in the final. Lashevsky against the Heels, 20 points, 8 rebounds, 7 of 11 from the field, 6 out of 7 from the three-point line, one of his more complete games with the Irish last year. Also in the NCAA tournament, in the first four game in Dayton, Lashevsky was a factor, 18 points against the Scarlet Knights, 6 of 8 from the field, 2 of 4 from the three-point line, 6 rebounds. And against Alabama, 10 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists for Lashevsky. Now you take a look at what the starting lineup might look like. Lashevsky, a guy that started off and on last year, rotating with Cormac Ryan. Once Lashevsky got injured at NC State, Ryan took over as a starter. His game went up a couple of levels, and he stayed in the starting lineup, and Lashevsky was great coming off the bench. So you got Lashevsky coming back to the starting lineup. We know that Dane Goodwin is returning for another year. You've got Marcus Hammond transferring in from Niagara. I think there's a very good chance he finds his way into the starting lineup. Maybe he takes the spot of Prentice Hub, who decided not to come back for another year. Cormac Ryan's a starter. We saw what he could do once he got into that starting lineup late in the year. He was not going to give up that spot. Played extremely well. Wow, he had a great NCAA tournament as well. And then I guess you could pencil in J.J. Starling, the freshman from Laporte Lalamere, as a pretty good option to start eventually. Now, does he start the year in the starting lineup? Every situation is different. Every year is different. We can go back to last year. Blake Wesley did not start right away. Had the terrific second half in Champaign-Urbana against the Fighting Illini of Illinois. And based on that second half performance when Illinois couldn't stop him, Mr. Wesley entered the starting lineup. Maybe that's the route for Starling. Does he begin the year coming off the bench and work his way into a starting role? That's up to Mike Bray, who apparently I didn't get to see it, just saying, take me out to the ball game at Wrigley Field as the Cubs and Cardinals are playing this afternoon. So it is an interesting bunch. They've got 12 scholarship players right now with Lashevsky coming back. The one missing piece appears to be that other big guy. They'd love to add a veteran big. They've been trying to add someone out of the transfer portal. It just has not worked out so far. Now, Blue and Gold Illustrated's Patrick Engel, in a story he wrote on Lashevsky, mentioned that there is a Penn grad transfer forward by the name of Michael Wang. And he is someone that Took an official visit with the Fighting Irish this week. And also Denver grad transfer forward Michael Hen, who averaged around nine points per game. Apparently, according to Patrick at blueandgold.com, Michael Hen named Notre Dame as a finalist this week, along with Penn State and the University of Illinois. Now, if you're talking about playing time, getting your chance to show your stuff. If I'm Hen, I pick Notre Dame or Penn State. Illinois has loaded up on the transfer portal and they have a dynamic freshman class coming in. I'm not quite sure he's going to see a whole lot of playing time this year. So that's really good for Notre Dame that Hen is interested in Illinois, but you just wonder about playing time. And I'm sure Mike Bray might be mentioning that. To Michael Hinn. So they are still working the transfer portal. They're still trying to add a post player to offset what the Irish have on the perimeter. It's an exciting perimeter with Goodwin, Hammond, Ryan, Starling, Trey Wirtz. I didn't mention his name a moment ago. He's going to come back for a fifth year as well. But where is the post presence going to come from? That's still possibly to be determined. So Nate Lashevsky is back. The Irish get another 
really solid perimeter shooter to return to this basketball team. There's a lot of experience on this team that gained a lot of confidence in the way they played in the second half of last year. They were on the mat after December. It was not looking like an NCAA tournament team, but beating Kentucky, beating Carolina, sort of rebooted this basketball team. And away they went on a great run in the ACC, nearly sharing the ACC regular season title with Duke. ACC tournament did not go as well as planned, but they got into the tournament barely, a first four participant beating Rutgers in that wild overtime game that carried over into St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day, baby! Then you beat Alabama and nearly take down Texas Tech. A lot of basketball in a short amount of time. So Nate Lashevsky is back with the Fighting Irish, and the Irish have another really good three-point shooter back on the roster. Great to have the big guy back here in South Bend, along with Goodwin, Wirtz, and Ryan. 22 minutes after 5 o'clock, Darren Pritchett with you. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Coming up in a moment, we will pass along the results of Wednesday's Twitter question of the day. Short show yesterday, we did not have a question, but today we've got one, and it's a little off the beaten path, but I hope you'll have some fun with it. We'll tell you what the question is coming up next. It is 523, and you are listening to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Five twenty-eight on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio nine sixty WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. Thanks for jumping on board Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Friday evening, and this is our sports beat Twitter question of the day. You can follow me on Twitter at nine six zero sports beat. We come up with a question every day. And we've got one for you today, and we'll pass that along coming up in a couple of moments. But first, let's go back to Wednesday's program and recap that question of the day. We only had a 15-minute show yesterday, so no Twitter question of the day. But on Wednesday, we asked you this question on my Twitter account at 960Sportsbeat. If Notre Dame football could only play one of these teams every year, and that would mean you can't play the other team, Who would you rather see the Irish play annually? We gave you two choices. Choice number one, a team they play annually. Except for that COVID year, this has been a staple on the Irish football schedule forever. The USC Trojans. The second choice, the rival to the north, the Michigan Wolverines. So, If Notre Dame football could only play one of these teams every year and not the other, who would you rather see the Irish play annually? I wasn't quite sure how this was going to pan out. But it was a very tight vote. Winning the vote with 50.6%, the Michigan Wolverines, the USC Trojans, got 49.4% of the vote. So basically, a dead heat, slight advantage, Michigan. Now, you see USC every year. It is the greatest intersectional rivalry in college football. This year's game is going to be as big as it has been in maybe 15, 16 years. You've got Notre Dame going to the Coliseum, final game of the regular season 
to take on new head coach Lincoln Riley and the new look Trojans, Caleb Williams. You got Addison at wide receiver, the new dynamic duo at USC. Could mean a lot for the playoffs. For Notre Dame, if you lose to Ohio State in the first game, you have to run the table going into USC to have a chance to make the playoffs. If you beat USC and you run the table at that point, then you have a little more wiggle room against USC. I'm excited to see USC. I think if we were playing 7-on-7, they would be very, very good. But what is the offensive and defensive lines going to look like for USC? You can't win without that being a plus. Ask Notre Dame. Offensive line, defensive line play has been a plus for many years now. So USC, that rivalry is going to take, I think, a huge step forward. There's going to be a lot of heat when those two play with Freeman taking on Riley. Now for Michigan, the Irish and the Wolverines will not play again until 2033 at the Big House. Michigan returns to South Bend in 2034. So you got a long wait before the Irish and the Wolverines get together once again. Maybe that has something to do with people going with Michigan in this vote. Or maybe they just don't like Michigan. Maybe they like Michigan even more. I'm sorry, they dislike Michigan more than USC. I thought it was an interesting vote. I love the Notre Dame-Michigan rivalry. No matter how good or how poor the teams are, it's going to be one the fans are going to be all in on. I mean, when Notre Dame and USC, if they're both kind of down, I don't know if the game has that oomph. But again, maybe it's because it happens all the time. With Michigan, it doesn't happen all the time now, so maybe that's why there's a little more juice behind getting this game annually. So, fun vote. We appreciate you taking part. If Notre Dame football could only play one of these teams every year, who would you choose? Michigan, 50.6%. USC, 49.4%. All right, let's get to today's Sports Beat Twitter question of the day. I've labeled this as a little off the track. This is something a little different. But the Women's World Series is underway. The best eight softball teams in the country in Oklahoma City. Wow, Oklahoma is just awesome. They seem to 10-run rule everybody. I think I heard 70% of their games they've won by the run rule. Holy cow. They are going to be a handful in Oklahoma City. So watching the games, it is a little different than baseball. Okay, let me be honest. It's a whole lot different than baseball. First, the lefties running up and slapping the ball. It's a different way of playing the game. I understand why they do it. Running start, use speed, slap it, put the ball in play, beat the throw to first. But as a left-handed batter, I don't know if I'd enjoy that or not. I want to take the big hack. The other big difference between softball and baseball, from my standpoint, is all the chanting from the dugouts. I was kind of glad when I was done with Little League, all the A, about about I didn't need that. I kind of like the silence of baseball. Softball, there's not a whole lot of science or silence. And I'll say this, talking to a couple of different coaches, it seems to be almost the choice of the coach whether there's all the chanting, the singing, or nothing at all. I know locally talking to a high school coach, they're not into all the chanting. But then there is the rival who will chant the whole game, try to intimidate, even at times. And this is what I don't like personally. Like if there's a stolen base, chanting, we stole the base on you. I, I don't get that particular mindset. Cheering on your team is great. Taking a little jab at the opposition I think is in very poor taste. And that needs to be rethought out by the coaches involved. But that's my opinion. So there's a lot of chanting. There's a lot of singing. 
So here's today's question. When you're watching a softball game, do you find the chance the singing annoying or fun? Annoying or fun are your choices. You can vote right now on my Twitter account, 960-SPORTSBEAT. I flipped on the ACC network when the Irish softball team was playing Clemson in their only game of the ACC tournament, and Notre Dame's first batter arrived at the plate, and the bench just started singing the fight song. They were just singing the fight song, which now has new words, as we found out today. They've tweaked them a little bit. But that was unique. I'm not used to singing at a ball game other than the seventh inning stretch or the national anthem. So Notre Dame, they chatter away. They sing. I think most of the teams at the collegiate level seem to do something like that, or at least when I'm watching. I guess it's me being a baseball guy that it's a quiet game except for a little talking. That's just a whole different mindset. So I was just kind of curious. What do you think? The chanting and the singing and softball, annoying or fun? Vote right now at 960-SPORTSBEAT. We will pass along the results on Monday's Budweiser's Weekday Sportsbeat. 23 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Are you ready for football? I know a lot of Irish football fans are ready for more Marcus Freeman. And the National Football League is getting ready to go with some training camps, having some activity the last week or two. So as we look at the AFC, what are some of the top storylines? We'll go through those coming up in a couple of moments. Plus, it looks like the Irish baseball team down at Georgia Southern could be restarting in a few moments. After the lightning issues, they had to clear out the facility and reopen the gates at 5 o'clock. They had scheduled a new start time of 5.35, but I have just noticed on Twitter, Notre Dame Baseball has put out this Twitter statement. It's 5.35 p.m., but baseball has not resumed yet. We are in another delay, and we'll update when we have more information. When there is lightning within a certain radius of the ballpark, you go into a 30-minute delay. So I'm not sure when that delay started. It has been since 5 o'clock when they reopened the gates, and I know about 10, 15 minutes ago there was a tweet that the tarp was off, so I would bet this new delay must have just occurred. So if that's the case, let's say the delay started at 530. That means the soonest they can restart is 6 o'clock, and that probably is a reach at this particular time. So on a day in which it is sunny and 75 degrees in South Bend, a Notre Dame baseball team that feels like they should have hosted a regional earned the right to host a regional and basically were the last team to not get a regional. Instead, they're on the road in a place where there have been thunderstorms all afternoon. Thank you, NCAA. Thank you so much. Let us know what your metrics are for next year so Notre Dame can be prepared for you to basically rob them again next year like you have the last two years. I mean, we would be playing baseball nonstop here in South Bend this weekend. But instead, we're at Georgia Southern and Mother Nature just sticking her tongue out at the NCAA. So, no baseball for a little while longer, but it is 2-0 Notre Dame in the bottom of the first inning. The Irish have second and third one out when the game resumes. Hopefully, that will be sometime this evening. And that will push back the start of Game 2. Georgia Southern taking on UNC Greensboro. They were scheduled to start at 7 o'clock. So it's going to be a long night down in Statesboro. What's the nightlife like in Statesboro, Georgia? Hmm, Not sure there's a whole lot, but there's going to be a lot of baseball, it looks like, coming up down there in their facility, which is a grass infield and outfield, and the foul territory is 
field turf, which is an interesting look. All right, let's take a break. It is 20 minutes in front of 6 o'clock, and you are listening to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. In 1922, we began broadcasting under the call letters WGAZ, the world's greatest automotive zone. Now, we're your home for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the best sports talk in South Bend. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Celebrating 100 years of broadcasting in 2022. Fifteen minutes in front of six o'clock, Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on this Friday evening, brought to you by Budweiser, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Pet Refuge, Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, and Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger. My name is Darren Pritchett. A little more information on what's going on in Statesboro, Georgia, right now, where the Irish baseball team is trying to play their first game of the regional against Texas Tech. The game has been in a weather delay for three hours and 15 minutes. They took the tarp off about a half an hour ago, but now they are under another weather delay. And according to the NCAA from 10 minutes ago, lightning has entered the area once again, and they are in a weather watch situation again at that ballpark in Statesboro, Georgia. The Irish, the two seed in that regional, taking on the three seed Texas Tech. Irish lead 2-0 as they continue to hit, literally waiting to hit in the bottom of the first inning. More on this game coming up in just a little bit on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Let's turn our attention to a little pigskin. We're ready for Irish football. We're getting ready for the National Football League as well. I offered you some NFC storylines on Wednesday's program. We are less than 100 days from the start of the NFL season. Now let's take a look at some AFC storylines. We begin with one of the great franchises in the National Football League from the Steel City, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And my storyline for the Steelers, can they avoid a losing season for a 16th straight year under head coach Mike Tomlin. He's gone 8-8, eight and eight, but he has never had a losing season since taking over for Bill Cowher. He's got a Super Bowl championship, but Tomlin's teams have been highly competitive and consistent. Last year was not one of their better teams. Ben Roethlisberger wrapping up his long tenure as the quarterback of the Steelers. Pittsburgh got into the postseason as the seven seed in the AFC after the Colts blew that game down in Jacksonville. That opened the door for Pittsburgh, and they took advantage. They lost to Kansas City, of course, but they at least made it to the Super Bowl tournament. But can they do it this year with Roethlisberger retired? They've got Mitchell Trubisky, the former number two overall pick of the Chicago Bears, whose career stalled under Matt Nagy. Moved on to Buffalo last year. Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator for Buffalo, actually kind of turned Mitchell around. Now, he was the backup to Josh Allen. Don't get me wrong. He didn't throw 300 passes last year. But the Bills really liked him. And there was a thought that maybe Dable would bring him to the Giants where he is the new head coach, but the Giants are going to give Daniel Jones one more year. They also went out and drafted Kenny Pickett. Played in that stadium a lot at the University of Pittsburgh. Took him number 20 overall. Only quarterback taken in the first round. How long will it take for Pickett to get on the field? You would think Trubisky gets the first shot. If things don't go well. At some point, you would likely see Pickett, but the Steelers are all about not having off years, not having down years, not tanking. They try to win football games to get to the playoffs and make a run at the Lombardi. So I would think Trubisky gets every possible shot at first, and then we'll see if things don't go well, maybe Pickett can spark them. But we know rookie seasons 
can be very difficult. And let's see if Pickett can handle it. Another team in the AFC, the Buffalo Bills. Are they ready to take the next step? It feels like they're a running game away from being an awfully complete football team. Their defense is pretty rock solid. Now Kansas City scores against everybody. They put a dent in the Bills' defense in the postseason the last two years. And you've got a running quarterback in Josh Allen, but it sure would be nice if they had a running game to rely on outside of Allen, who can do so much outside the pocket. Looks like Allen's ready to be one of the new superstars in the NFL. Probably is already to that title now. But if you're strict with superstar status, he's at the very least knocking on the door. Bills are in a very winnable division in the AFC East with New England and Miami a couple of steps back and the Jets trying to push their way forward out of the cellar in the AFC East. But the AFC is so tough. There's no guarantee Buffalo gets to the Super Bowl. There are so many teams that on paper right now look like they are contenders for the Lamar Hunt Trophy. Are the Cincinnati Bengals one of those teams? They want on the miracle ride from a wild card team to the Super Bowl, winning at home against the Raiders, then going to Tennessee and beating the top-seeded Titans making Ryan Tannehill's offseason very unpleasant. And then they go to Kansas City and take down Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to get to the Super Bowl, a Super Bowl that they had the lead in the fourth quarter before that drive-by Matthew Stafford of the Rams to put him in front, and then Aaron Donald closed things out for the Rams' defense, winning Super Bowl 56. I'm not sold on the Bengals being in the elite tier of the AFC this year. I think they take a step back. Good, solid football team. Great quarterback in Joe Burrow. But they're going to face a little more difficult schedule this year. And again, a ton of great competition in the AFC. So I'm not expecting the Bengals to be near the top of my list as Super Bowl contenders. Then you've got the Denver Broncos, one of those teams that made the seismic shift move. Russell Wilson, Super Bowl champion with the Seattle Seahawks. The quarterback wanted to be traded, got his wish. Russell Wilson is now a Denver Bronco. Wilson appears to still have a lot of good football left in him. At the age of 33, he wants to play a good while longer, try to win that second Super Bowl. When you win that second Super Bowl, you go into a different classification. One Super Bowl is pretty doggone good. Two puts you in a different stratosphere. Ask Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay about that. He's still trying to get that second ring. Denver has a very young football team, a team that the last two years has been labeled, wow, they could be really good if they had a quarterback. Well, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, not working out. Locke went in the Russell Wilson deal to Seattle. Bridgewater was let go. Denver has an exciting running game with Javante Williams. They've got a great wide receiving core. The defense, good mix of pass rushers and good cover corners. That's what you're looking for in a defense. So on paper, they appear to be a team ready to make a move. But in that division... They could be a heck of a lot better and still finish in fourth place. You got the Chiefs. You got the Chargers who enhanced their defensive roster. You got the Raiders. Eh, they're kind of still the Raiders. And Josh McDaniels, eh. let's see if he works out better in Las Vegas than he did in Denver as head coach. But they got Devontae Adams from the Green Bay Packers to really change the look of their offense. So for Denver, even with Russell Wilson, are they better than the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Raiders? As a Bronco fan, I sure hope so, because it's been a miserable last six years since winning Super Bowl 50. And you hope Russell Wilson can put them back at least in a position where they're a playoff team and a fully stocked AFC. Final storyline, the Kansas City Chiefs. Can they host their fifth consecutive AFC Championship game. If they do, the offense 
will have done it a little different than they had the last few years. The Chiefs' front office could not come together on a new contract with the dynamic receiver Tyree Kill. One of the most explosive wide receivers in the NFL, if not the most explosive. Chiefs didn't want to pay him top dollar. They shipped him off to the Miami Dolphins. You still got Travis Kelsey. They're trying to revamp that wide receiving core. They needed to spread money out other parts of the football team to keep them as an AFC championship contender. They hope they've done that. But again, any type of slip up by Kansas City, and man, the rest of the division is ready to push them down the line of the AFC West. But as long as they have Patrick Mahomes, they've got a chance to win. But I'm kind of curious to see what the Chiefs do this year. The blueprint for Mahomes now is four-man rush. Use those outside pass rushers to keep him in the pocket and force him to deliver the ball down the field with seven defenders dropping back. Let's see if the Chiefs have a better answer than portions of last year. But they have been a dominant force in the AFC, and as long as Mahomes is there, you would think that will continue. So those are just a couple of the storylines in the AFC. Chargers, Raiders. We didn't talk about the Ravens with Kyle Hamilton now and Lamar Jackson. They have not worked out a new deal with him. That's a major storyline. Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. Can Tennessee win with Ryan Tannehill? I mean, we could have 35 storylines easily just to start our conversation, but we narrowed it down to five for today. It is 5.56. Darren Pritchett with you. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. More Sports Beat coming up in a couple of moments. We'll continue to update you on the status of this Notre Dame baseball regional that has been on hold for almost three and a half hours due to bad weather down in southern Georgia. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Aaron Pritchett. 609 Sports Beat continues live on this Friday evening on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT Radio app. Darren Pritchett with you. I want to get to a couple of stories that are developing right now. First, as we've been telling you, the Notre Dame baseball team now at a weather delay that is about three hours and 40 minutes old. The Irish and Texas Tech. Bottom of the first inning, the Irish have a 2-0 lead. As David LaManna had a two-RBI double into the right field corner put the Irish in front 2-0. The Irish have second and third, one out when play resumes. John Michael Bertrand, all-ACC pitcher, third-team All-American, got the start for the Irish. He got out of a bases-loaded jam on the top of the first, throwing 26 pitches. Now, with this long delay, you would assume he is not coming back for this game. Maybe it opens the door for him to pitch on Sunday. We'll have to see what Link Jarrett decides to do if the Irish reach Sunday, of course. But we are literally in a holding pattern on a day in which it's beautiful in South Bend, a place that could have hosted this regional. Instead, it's at Georgia Southern. Mother Nature is not very happy about it, obviously. And I really didn't know about this until just a couple of moments ago. But apparently, with the regional being held in Statesboro, Georgia, there are not enough hotel rooms to accommodate everyone involved in this regional. And from what I understand now, just based on some tweets I'm getting, I'm not sure if this is Notre Dame or at least one of the teams or some of the teams. They're having to stay in Savannah, Georgia, which I believe is around an hour away from Statesboro. I'm just going to say this really generically speaking because I'd like to know the whole story before I go too far down this road, but let's just keep it really simple. If the NCAA claims that Notre Dame's facilities aren't good enough to host a Super Regional, a.k.a. last year, 
then you're telling me it's okay to host a regional in a place where you do not have enough hotel rooms for the teams. You should not have to travel an hour to play an NCAA tournament game. I don't care if it's lacrosse, soccer. You think that would happen in football? Come on. These are the biggest games of the year, and you're telling kids to get on a bus for over an hour to get to their game? So now after sitting in the clubhouse for who knows how long in this weather delay, it may be four or five hours in between LaManna's base hit and the next pitch. So they're sitting around all day, and then after this game is called or is completed, they've got to possibly drive an hour, or some teams involved in this have to drive an hour to get to their hotel room. Unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. I would say this if Notre Dame was not involved in the tournament. If that happened here, I'd say the same thing. But that wouldn't happen here. The NCAA just constantly speaks out of both sides of their mouth. It is so frustrating. And I really do hope there's a day, there's a breakaway of the Power Five conferences, and they start their own collegiate association. It's time to get rid of these guys down in Indianapolis. I mean, we can't even do the little things. Shouldn't you investigate this before you host a regional? I hope it's not the Irish. I don't know that. I'm hoping to find out. But that's wrong. I don't care if it's the four seed. Should not happen. No way. I'm just thinking our Albany regional for hockey We were probably 15 minutes from the arena, and all the teams were kind of scattered around the Albany area, and it worked out fine. It was totally fine. But if it's true the teams are having to travel an hour to get to the game, absolutely wrong. And you know what? I was going to say shame on the NCAA, but at this point, it is just par for the course. Expect nothing less. So hopefully we'll have baseball, but it sounds like it's going to rain for at least another hour or the lightning is in the area for another hour. Then hopefully we can get the tarp off again. The tarp was off last hour, then had to be put back on. More lightning in the area. So fingers crossed baseball resumes and the Irish can win this marathon against Texas Tech. Another story that popped up. South Bend Cub 2019 champion Brennan Davis, outfielder in the Cubs system, one of their top prospects, has undergone back surgery. There are no structural issues, but the Chicago Tribune is reporting that there was a procedure that, and I'm not a medical person, so yes, you can yell at me. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I believe it is cauterized some blood vessels. And this has been causing Davis discomfort. He's been out of the Iowa Cubs lineup for a month. And so it sounds like he is going to miss multiple months. The Cubs are not ruling out that he could return later on this year. He's expected to make a full recovery. And they don't believe it's going to be an issue moving forward. Number 41 prospect, according to Baseball America. And Brennan Davis, a guy the Cubs are hoping to be a big contributor in the near future, unfortunately has hit a speed bump with that back issue, and he has undergone surgery. 6.15 is our time. We need to tell you about a very important golf event that's coming up next week. Paul Zrom's going to join me in a couple of moments to tell you about it on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. In 1922, we began broadcasting under the call letters WGAZ, the world's greatest automotive zone. Now, we're your home for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the best sports talk in South Bend. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Celebrating 100 years of broadcasting in 2022. And welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We are streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. Well, once again this year, our Midwest Family Radio Group is once again proud to be a part of the Roseland Rotary Club $1 million hole-in-one contest benefiting the Salvation Army 
Croc Center. The hole-in-one challenge is taking place next week. We've got the sites. We've got the dates. We've got all the information for you. And to pass along all that important data, we welcome back to the program Paul Zram from the Salvation Army. He is the Director of Development, and he's back right here on WSBT Radio for another year talking about this particular challenge. Paul, always great to catch up with you. How are you today? I'm doing great, Darren. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciate it. Let's just start, first of all, with this hole-in-one challenge Give us some of the details on where you can go to take part in this particular event and what you're going to be doing. Well, it's going to happen all next week. Monday through Friday is our qualifying day. Uh, you can go out on Monday to Elbel between 3 and 7 p.m. Tuesday, we'll be back out at Elbel again between 3 and 7. Then on Wednesday, we're going to go to Morris Park from noon until 4 p.m., and you don't have to be a member there, so you just come on out. And actually, it's a great place to be able to, yeah. to try because there's fewer people that come out to that one. So please come on out to that one. And if you can't make it uh, at, from noon to 4 at Morris Park, come out Wednesday again at Erskine from 3 to 7 p.m. Then on Thursday, we'll be back out at Erskine again from 3 to 7 p.m. And then our last day of qualifying is at Jude Creek from 3 until 7 now, with all those different sites, Paul, do you have qualifiers coming from all of those sites to then the final on Saturday? Yep, we'll take all the holes in one and uh, the 10 closest to the pins at each of those days and each of those locations. We'll go into the semifinals that will happen on Saturday morning. And it's just a dollar a shot or 25 shots for $20. And you can come as many times as you want and you can qualify as many times as you want. So if you uh, feel the urge and want to take all 10 spots and can hit it well, it's all that'd be great. Now I'm sure most people bring their entire golf bag to this type of event. If you're a golfer, you're going to keep the golf bag in the trunk because you never know when the urge to go play golf is going to take place. But Paul, give our listeners a little idea. Do you guys have a basic yardage you guys are using for these hole in one attempts? Yes. All the qualifying shots will be from about a hundred yards away. So it's just a short distance and everybody can hit it a hundred yards. So it's real easy for everybody to come out and try. All right, Paul Drom from the Salvation Army talking about the 2022 Roseland Rotary Club $1 million hole-in-one contest benefiting the Salvation Army Croc Center. All right, Paul, so we've got now our qualifiers from Monday through Friday. Uh, take us to what's the next step in the process in this challenge. Well, those um, qualifiers, all 10 from each of those courses, each of those days, uh, we'll come out Saturday morning. We'll give you a little tea time. We'll start about 8 o'clock, and we'll go to about 8.20 or so. Each of them will hit one shot from 125 yards away. And then those 10 closest to the pins will get each get one shot from 150 yards away for a million dollars. Just a 100-yard, 125-yard shot for a million dollars? Paul, I can do that in my sleep. 150 <laughs> yards, yeah. 150 it, it, yards, it, excuse yeah, me. It, it, it is, it is an easy shot for you, Darren. I know. I've seen you play. Yeah, I haven't swung a club yet this year, so i got a lot of work to do this weekend. What I think is great, though, Paul, you got the million-dollar challenge, but the finalists, the 10 finalists also basically are winners before they take that million-dollar shot. Exactly. We'll give all 10 of those people a, a nice prize uh, to win, some of them valued at $50, some up to $200, $250. A lot of rounds of golf. We got a nice gift basket from one of our sponsors. There's a, there's a wide variety of things that people can choose from. And I'm noticing, Paul, there's also going to be a putting contest on Saturday? Yeah, just a little putting contest. Um, we just try to add something a little different there uh, where people can just come on out and, and have a little uh, putt off. We'll take the, uh, the two closest. We'll do get two putts, and the uh, total distance from each of those uh, the shortest distance will win a prize from that, too. So uh, a lot of fun for everybody. You know, Paul, there's a lot of golfers out there that play on the weekend, and they have those little $1 bets going on holes, and you have a five-foot putt for maybe three bucks. You know, that's a lot of pressure. Our, our palms get sweaty. I'm kind of curious, since you've been doing this particular challenge, has anyone came close at all to making that $1 million shot? Well, actually, last year was our closest uh, qualifier. Um, they hit the shot. And it was a little low, but it was going right at the pin. Ooh. And as it got closer and closer to the pin, you hear the crowd that was standing around there going, <laughs> oh, 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 and it whirled right by and it went about, it was about 12 to 13 feet Ooh. away. So it was, was 
just like you hear in the golf tournament, it was hilarious and it was exciting and actually for me a little nerve wracking too. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very, very cool. And there's nothing like the excitement of a million dollars shot. I've been a part of these before and it is a lot of fun. And the people standing around there, there is a little tension and you feel the pressure taking the shot, but it is a lot of fun. As we mentioned, the 10 finalists win prizes no matter what happens from that point on. Now, Paul, let's talk about the Salvation Army for a moment. I mentioned this contest benefits the Salvation Army Croc Center. Can you pass along some of the details, some of the funds raised from this event, what it's going to go toward? Uh, funds raised for an event like this go to helping our Family Resource Center uh, help people in our community that are the most in need. Uh, we have programs that help people get out of poverty, like uh, our Getting Ahead classes and our Pathway of Hope, with just helping people learn how to get from their situation that they're in out of poverty and get their lives back on track financially and things like that. And then we have other programs that help kids, especially uh, during the school year. Uh, we have a weekend backpack food program where a lot of kids go home on the weekends without food in the cupboard. So we will give kids enough food to cover them for the weekends during the school year. So things like that that are helping our community every day that, um, are really needed, and, and a lot of people don't know about it. So it's the, the funds that we raise in an event like this go to all helping our community out. And, Paul, I'm going to mention one more because I know WSBT has been involved with this, but I noticed that some of the funds raised from this event will also go toward the Angel Tree and Christmas Assistance Program. That is really one of the, the special programs in our community. Maybe just a couple of thoughts on that program and what the Salvation Army does around Christmas time. Every year we have anywhere from 900 to about 1,800 kids that need Christmas gifts. They're the needs gifts. They need clothes. They need shoes, hats, coats, those types of things and because they outgrow things. Anybody who's had kids knows every year you can't get the same things. They outgrow them or tear them apart. So we try to give those kids those needs gifts. We also try to give each kid at least two to three toys every year because every kid should have a toy at, at Christmas time. And then – at, uh, the whole family will get an entire food basket that has a ham, all the fixings with potatoes and vegetables and desserts, everything, so they can have a great Christmas celebration with the entire family. And we, we do anywhere from, you know, 1,400 families and those 1,800 kids, that's a lot. And each kid gets at least 50 to $100 worth of, of toys and gifts. So that's a lot of money right there. So we raise the money for that. And it, you know what? It's probably – the most gratifying yeah. program we have. And it's fun to see keep people walk out of our center with smiles on our faces, knowing that Christmas is going to happen for yeah. them. That is a wonderful program. And Paul, just one final thought. I know with COVID has been just demoralizing so many people emotionally. It's been a tough go the last couple of years. And I'm sure the Salvation Army has been probably helping more people than ever over the last couple of years. Oh, and it, it, it I hate to say it, it has been busy. It's been too busy, and we'd like yeah. it to slow down a little bit. But there are a lot of families that are in need, and a lot of families that typically haven't had a need before are coming to us and saying, this is unusual for me. Can you help? And and we help them in any way we can. And, and sometimes we can help them, but we refer them to people who can. So when people come in, they know that they're going to be at least getting their path on the right direction for their lives, and uh, we do the best we can mm. with that. Well, Paul, let's wrap up this interview. I'll let you just kind of take the reins here. If you want to recap everything that's happening next week with the Roseland Rotary Club $1 million hole-in-one contest. Well, it's only a dollar a shot. There are 25 shots for $20. We have uh, five days of qualifying. Uh, probably the best thing to do would be to go to mycroc.org and click on the hole-in-one uh, tab, and you'll see all the details there. I do want to mention that if you do bring a two canned goods, you will get five free shots. Mm. So that's a little extra there. So shouldn't cost anybody anything to be able to bring in a couple canned goods that, uh, from the cupboard and uh, get some free shots for that. Outstanding. Paul, I hope you have a wonderful turnout next week for this great cause. And always good to catch up with you. Best of luck with the event. Hopefully we'll talk to you soon. I appreciate it. Man. Thank you so much. Thank you. That is Paul Schramm. From the Salvation Army, the Director of Development with all the details on this year's Roseland Rotary Club $1 million hole-in-one contest benefiting the Salvation Army Croc Center. Your first chance to qualify is Monday at Elbel from 3 to 7, Tuesday at Elbel from 3 to 7, Wednesday at Morris Park from noon to 4, and then Erskine from 3 to 7, 
Thursday, Erskine 3 to 7, Friday at Jude Creek from 3 to 7, and then the semifinals and the finals 8 a.m. at Jude Creek on the 18th green on Saturday, June the 11th. Great opportunity for you to have some fun with the old golf club in hand. And again, you are helping many, many worthy causes in our community. And our thanks to the Salvation Army for what they do on a daily basis. And hopefully you have a chance to be a part of this year's Roseland Rotary Club $1 million hole-in-one contest benefiting the Salvation Army Croc Center. It is 634 Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you on this Friday evening. Let me just update one more item here before we go to break. It looks like that nothing much is new right now in terms of the Notre Dame baseball team. And apparently the chances of them playing anytime soon in their matchup against Texas Tech, the regional underway today. First pitch a little after 2 o'clock, and then at about 2.31, they had to pull the teams off the field, get the fans out of the stands because of lightning, and we are now at the four-hour and three-minute mark for this weather delay down in Statesboro, Georgia. The Irish have a 2-0 lead on Texas Tech as the Irish are still hitting in the bottom of the first inning with second and third and one out. All right, coming up next, we'll have our sports wagering segment, and then we'll wrap up sports beat and head to South Bend Cubs baseball in about 10 minutes on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey, sports fans, United Beverage Co- Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. We press on on Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Friday evening. I'm Darren Pritchett, South Bend Cubs baseball, coming up in just a couple of moments as the Cubs play in Dayton against the Dragons. Well, yesterday's program was 15 minutes long due to South Bend Cubs baseball. So we did not have a sports wagering segment. Going back to Wednesday, my four suggestions, I went 2-1-1. One, and one. So that's how we start the month of June. We are 27-19-1 on the season. Here are the four suggestions for tonight. The first is sort of a coin flip type of wager. New York, Tampa Bay playing game two of their NHL Eastern Conference Final at Madison Square Garden. I really like the Rangers again. They're an underdog at home. I'm not going to touch that right now, but I think the Rangers are going to get the first goal in this hockey game. So I'm going Rangers first goal against Tampa Bay, and we get that wager at minus 110. Our other three suggestions are from Major League Baseball. The Rays and the White Sox begin a series in Tampa tonight. And the Rays send to the mound their ace, a guy that I have ridden throughout this season, a guy that I saw pitch in Bowling Green in 2019, a lot against the South Bend Cubs, and was thoroughly impressed. And he is dominating right now at the major league level. Shane McClanahan will pitch for the Rays against the Sox rookie Davis Martin, who got off to a good start in his major league career. Sox are scuffling, Rays ace on the mound. I'm going Tampa Bay minus one and a half runs at plus 115 to win this wager. The Rays have to beat the White Sox by two or more runs, but we get that particular wager at plus 115, so you can more than double your money on that particular wager. The third suggestion for tonight, Phillies and Angels in the city of brotherly love. I'm not even going to get into analytics here. Pitching matchup is pretty even. I'm just going on a gut. The Phillies fired their manager, Joe Girardi, today. The Phillies said they needed a new voice in their clubhouse. Girardi is very intense, and they have put Rob Thompson now in the interim manager chair. I would imagine they're going for someone the total opposite, a little more laid back than the intense Girardi. So I think the Phillies, based on getting a new manager, going to play loose tonight, kind of a fresh start, even though we're 51 games into the season. I'm going to go Phillies on the money line against the Angels at minus 125. 
And the fourth and final suggestion for tonight, it is the Mariners and the Rangers playing in Arlington. And the Mariners are going to send to the mound Logan Gilbert, a very exciting young right-handed pitcher. He is 5-2 on the season. His ERA, a sparkling 2.29. This is another guy that I have really backed this year in the wagering game when Logan Gilbert is on the mound. Now, the Mariners have struggled for most of the season on the road against the Rangers. I'm going to back Gilbert in this spot and take the Mariners on the money line at Texas at minus 115. So, again, my four suggestions for tonight. First one's kind of a random pick. Rangers will score the first goal against the Lightning in Game 2 of the NHL Eastern Conference Final at Madison Square Garden. We'll take the Rangers. First goal at minus 110. I'm going with the Rays at home against the White Sox, backing Shane McClanahan, their left-handed starting pitcher. I'm going Rays minus one and a half runs. They have to win by two. And we'll take that wager at plus 115. I'm going with the Phillies with a new manager tonight at home against the Angels on the money line at minus 125. And the Mariners on the money line behind Logan Gilbert at Texas will take the Mariners at minus 115. And finally, our underdog pick, which is 7-4 since we started this pick here on the program. And tonight, I am going to go with that NHL game. It is the New York Rangers taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Rangers rolled in game one at home, and I think they win again tonight. Despite the fact the Rangers are a home dog, I'm going Rangers on the money line as my underdog pick against Tampa Bay, and we'll take the Rangers at plus 110. So that's our sports wagering segment. we going to Sizzler for this Friday evening. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT has been brought to you by our titles. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous spicy range rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 